God bless you guys. How's everyone doing today? All right. Yeah, yeah. Let's give it up for the Lord, you guys. Let's thank the Lord for this chance to be here. We're so blessed uh, to have each other, to, to have this space um, post-Thanksgiving, right? This is, we're, in the, we're in the home stretch. We're on the home stretch. Speaking of home stretch, I really had to stretch out my sweatshirt so I could fit in it today. But uh, my brother cooked a uh, my brother cooked a a turkey. He cooked two turkey, three turkeys, and they were all deep fried turkeys. This this uh, this Thanksgiving, I've had. I'm on my fourth Thanksgiving day today. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Wednesday we had our family Thanksgiving because my sister had some some plans to go to. So we said, you know what, let's do Thanksgiving because you're going to be gone. And then my brother and his family had their Thanksgiving, the regular Thanksgiving on Thursday, and that's why we did deep fried turkeys. And, and, and it was delicious. So the, any deep fried turkey fans in here? Yeah, okay, right? It's, it's different. It's different. It's different deliciousness. And I told him, you know, because it, the second one took a while because he had to get the flame right, but it was crazy. I told him it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. And he said, thanks for being patient. No, I said, no, it's worth the 10 pounds. It's worth the wait I want to put on after eating this, but sorry, guys. Sorry. You get it later. I actually got it now. It's just not that funny. I get it. Anyways, I'm Marcus, one of the pastors here. Thank you so much for joining us, whether you're here or, or online or on the rooftop. We just want to welcome you here today, and, and we have a great message to share from you from God's Word. And Pastor Tim, God bless you, Pastor Tim, and your family. They're taking a break this weekend so, so he can spend time with family. And we're finishing up the, the Promises of God series that we've been in. And I've loved this series. I love that God is for real. And today's message is entitled The Fulfillment of God's Promises. So if you've been here, you've realized that God has over 8,000 promises for his people. And if we learned that those promises are different, there's different types of promises, but 8,000 promises are a lot of promises. Can I hear amen? 8,000, and we've learned some of them are specific, right, for specific times and specific people, right? For, for Abraham, he had his promise, right? Father Abraham, he had specific promise for Abraham's wife. He had a specific promise for Noah, and we know that some promises are specific for people for a certain time. Some are conditional as well. Some are like, if you behave this way, there's a lot of my promises for my kids. You want to go to Disneyland? Well, you ain't going for a while because there's COVID, so let's start off with that. But when it reopens, if you do this, right, then you will get this reward. And there's all kinds of promises in God's word for his people. If we humble ourselves, if we put him first, if we repent, there's these promises that are conditional. Then we have some unconditional promises that we've learned about as well. You know, God is so good in his creation, Right? His creation just carries promises with it. I love going to the beach with my wife. We love going. She likes going on walks. She makes me go on walks with her, and I do it because I love her. And in the middle of the walk, she's always like, isn't this fun? I'm like, no, I'm just walking. Walking isn't fun, but holding your hand is fun, right? But just walking, it's not fun to walk, right? But what is fun, if you notice, when the sunset comes. You guys ever go to the beach and the sunset comes? And when that sun starts dropping, right, and it starts to hit that horizon, and what happens at the beach when that sun starts dropping, everything stops. Everything stops, and all eyes are on the sun. All eyes are looking at the sun as it drops, and nobody can do anything but go, wow. That's how amazing God is. And, you know, he's got promises in his creation just because he's good. Some, some unconditional ones, right? Some ones like, for example, that he'll never destroy the earth again via the flood. 
And that's why when we see the rainbow, right, we can remind it of God's unconditional promise. Then we've also talked about promises that are imaginary, right? Pastor Tim covered this, just some imaginary promises that people like to whip up, right? They like to say God said this when God never said this. He maybe said a version of it, but because we want that to be true, right, then we, then we say that's a promise of God, and those are not promises of God, and we know we can't build our life on those promises. But there's 8,000 promises in God's word, and the great thing about today, we're going to talk about the culmination of all those promises, the culmination of the Old Testament, the culmination of, of the New Testament, of what all those promises are. We're going to take a look at that. But before we do that, I'm going to show a picture here. And this is a gentleman here. See if anybody can figure out who this guy is. Any, any guesses? Any guesses? Bell, correct. Taco Bell. This is the guy that invented Taco Bell, one of my favorite people in the world. This is Alexander Graham Bell, not Mr. Taco Bell. I'm hungry. He is the inventor of the modern-day telephone. And this is a picture of him in uh, 1892. In 1875, he got his first patent, which was called like, the acoustic telegram. Right? And so later on, it becomes the telephone. And this is an image of him making a long-distance phone call on the line from New York City to Chicago. Well, it's crazy to think that only about 150 years ago, guys, there was no telecommunication. Isn't that, isn't that odd? In the history of the thousands of years of mankind, only recently, in the last 150 years, there has been telecommunication. And even in my era, I'm 48, and the evolution of the phone, let's take a look at some pictures of the evolution of the phone. Right? Even in my era, I come in right around that green phone. Right? If, if, you're, if you're right around the green phone, right, some of you guys right around that, 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 that white phone. But the green phone was, was that dial phone, the infamous dial phone. See, this is back in the day. If you wanted to call a girl, you really had to be committed. There was none of this text or swipe left or swipe right. Right? You really, like, had to have the guts to call the girl, and you had to have the energy to dial all the numbers because that thing took a long time, that rotary phone, and once in a while, you would get the wrong number, right? It's like, oh, really? Now you have to decide, am I going to dial all these numbers again? It takes me five minutes, or am I just going to talk to the person I have on the line? I don't know who you are, but guess what? It took me five minutes to dial you. How are you doing? I'm Marcus, right? Then came... The push button phone, but you still had that cord. So you couldn't have any little private conversations, you know. You couldn't, because someone had to, you know, have a long cord and maybe take the cord and stretch it out. And I remember when the next one came, the cordless phone. I remember early 80s when I saw my neighbor had this. Uh, it was like, I think he was a wizard when I met him. Like, what magic do you possess? You have a phone without a cord. And I would just like put my hands underneath it, making sure there was not an illusion. Right? But think about the phones nowadays. Right? The progression of the phone from that big machine. You know what, guys? Things change. Things change after time. But the promise that we're going to talk about today, God's fulfillment of his promises, the beautiful thing is they don't change. But things change. Things go from a state of order to disorder. That's why things change. Take a look at your high school yearbook with your kids so they can mock you. 
Dad, this was you? Yes, son. Turn the page. <laughs> right? And, and think about all the outfits. Think of all the hairdos. Think about when you used to have hair. Think about all the hair don'ts. Right? Because things change. Things go from a state of order to disorder. And the phones come out and there needs to be a bigger one. There needs to be a better one. PS5, I think it's PS5 right now. PlayStation 5 is out. And my son, my son Diego's up at school going, oh, I need to get, I need to get the PlayStation 5. Yes, you do, son. Poor, poor son, mijo. You need your PlayStation 5. How are you living without it? Because a PlayStation 4 apparently is not good enough. Right? Because things get older. We need the newest. We need the latest because things break down. Entropy is the second law of thermodynamics. And it says this. Things go from a state of order to disorder. That's what entropy is. Things break down over time. For example, your children's bedroom. Have them clean it on a Monday and take a look at it on Wednesday. That's entropy. Entropy, bite into an apple, take a look at it, crisp, right? <laughs> Sounds good, tastes delicious, all juicy and white inside. Take a look at that apple one minute later. Take a look at that apple an hour later. Take a look at that apple a day later, entropy. Entropy, me, seven knee surgeries, two bad shoulders, bad breath, and a bad back. And that's me on a good day. Things break down, but thank God the promise that we're going to talk about today never, ever breaks down. Let's take a look at this verse right here. It's in Hebrews 13.8. We're going to base the whole message off of this verse, okay? This verse has all three points in it right here. It's Hebrews 13.8, and it says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everybody say yesterday. Everybody say today. We say forever. All right, so that is the culmination of God's promises that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But before we get into meat of it, let's take a look at Jesus Christ himself. Jesus, the name Jesus, was a common name back in the day. Back in the day, it was Joshua, Yeshua, okay? But it didn't have a common meaning. Jesus means Savior. Or more than that, it means salvation from God. So Jesus, salvation from God. That's who he was, that's who he is, and that's who he's going to be. Christ, Christ is not his last name. Christ was his title. Jesus, the Christ. Christ meant anointed one. The chosen one meant Messiah, which means the same thing. So Jesus Christ essentially means this, guys. Salvation comes from God through his anointed one, and his Messiah. That is who Jesus is. That is who Jesus Christ is. That's who he was, and that's who he will forever be. Let's take a look right now as we look at the Old Testament and the New Testament. So follow me along here, okay? So Old Testament, often we like to like separate that. Right? Well, 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 that was then, and we're now in a time of grace, and, and that was the time of law. Right? And a lot of us like to, like, when we read the Old Testament and, and hear those stories, and kind of like we want to put it in a different category. And I really like the Gospels because it talks about love, and it talks about Jesus, and we see all these miracles, and everybody needs to love everybody, and it talks about grace, and we like to push aside the Old Testament, but we cannot do that. 
because for us to understand who Jesus is, for us to truly understand who God is, we need to understand the Old Testament. This is why, because the Old Testament is Christ concealed. So within all the stories, within all the chapters, within all the books of the Old Testament, there is Jesus. So I want to take some time today to look at a couple spots where Jesus is woven all throughout the Old Testament. And of course, we know the New Testament is Christ revealed. So essentially, if you took the Bible, the 66 books, the Ten Commandments, the epistles, the minor prophets, the major prophets, the historical books, the, the books about uh, uh, the, the psalm, the, the books about the, the, the poetry books, and you put them all in a crock pot. Right? And you let that crock pot stir all day long. And at the end of it, all those flavors, all those books, all the epistles, all the, con all, all, all the commandments, all those things mixed together. And you took a spoon and you wanted to taste the Bible. You would sip it. And you would taste Jesus. He is the fulfillment of all the promises. He is the preeminent. He is what everything is about. And we can see him early on in the Bible as well. We can go to Genesis, right there in the book of Genesis, right there in Eden, we can see Jesus. Even before that, as God created the heavens and the earth, right? And eventually came time for him to create man. What does he say? He said, let us, let us create man in our image. Who's us? Well, Jesus was right there next to his father from the get-go. So we can't forget about Jesus in the Old Testament, you know, because he is the same yesterday. And I love this story in Genesis. And take, let's take a look at it right now. It's in Genesis chapter 3 and got a couple verses to read. And the first verse says this, 3, 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So let me just set the story here right now. This is Adam and Eve. God created a perfect environment for them. Gave them, you have access to everything. Just go. Running around, happy, right? Do what they want to do. No shame, no sin. And sin entered the world through them eating the forbidden fruit. And after they did that, they realized that there was shame. They realized that they were wrong. They realized now that the relationship with God was, there was severed, right? There was now separation. And what did they try to do when they noticed their shame? Right? When they noticed they were naked, when they noticed that they were completely exposed, they took some fig leaves, they sewed them together, and they tried to cover themselves. They know, and they found out real quick, this didn't work. If you want to find out the Bible's true or not, go home and sew some fig leaves and go naked in your backyard and see how long you last. <laughs> right? Or how soon you're arrested. Either way, you'll figure out it won't cover you. So follow me here. They sinned. They decided to cover our sin, to cover our wrongdoings. We're going to take things into our own hands and try to cover it up. It didn't work. You ever notice that's how life is? You ever notice when, when, when you fall short or, or you sin or you do something wrong and, and, and oftentimes our first, our first choice is, let me fix it, let me fix it. But sin is something too big, you guys, that we can't fix on our own. Can I hear amen? Right? We cannot fix our sin. It takes something way more than what we tried to do. 
for us to fix our sin. We are not capable of it. So what happens? Let's take a look at this next verse. Genesis 3.21 says this. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Okay, great. What does this have to do with Jesus? Follow me here. Adam and Eve sinned. They realize their shame. On their own, they try to cover their sin. They realized that that was not sufficient. So what had to happen? God had to find an animal, an innocent animal that did nothing wrong. Take it and shed its blood. And from that animal that sacrificed its life, took the skin of that animal, gave it to Adam and Eve so they could cover themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Jesus right there from the get-go. What a beautiful illustration of who God is. What a beautiful illustration of who Jesus is. As we're singing those praises in our worship team, we're so blessed to have so many great people on our worship team. It's such a blessing each week we come here and they sing about Jesus and they sing about God and you can just feel God as we call upon his name. You can just feel this place filled with his presence. It's the same Jesus then, guys. The same one that was there from the get-go right? The same one that was back there who God was foreshadowing. Let's take a look at this next foreshadowing, which I love as well. Let's take a look at Jesus in the Passover. Marcus, what does the Passover have to do with Jesus? Well, first of all, let's take a look at the Passover real quick, okay? Because I don't want to assume we all know, and I like refresher courses for me too. So the Passover is this. It's the night when the angel of death was going to pass over the homes that had a certain sign on it. And because this, these homes followed these instructions given to them by God, the angel of death was now going to pass over. So since that moment on, each year, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, they will do the Passover meal. And many times doing the Passover meal, all caught in ritual. All caught in what, what are we going to eat? What are we supposed to do? And all missing the big picture. And we know that the, the people of Egypt enslaved the Israelites. So now they've been slaves for hundreds, hundreds of years since Joseph brought him and his family through to Egypt. And they had the choicest land, right? And they started off from a group from a couple hundred to now a couple million in the land of Egypt. And now Joseph is dead. That Pharaoh that loved Joseph was dead. And now there's new Pharaohs. And now Egypt is filled with the Jewish people who are prospering. And he finally makes them slaves and subjugates them and captures them. And guess what? God was tired of his people being slaves. Well, guess what? God is still tired of people being slaves to sin. So what did God do? He sent Moses. He sent Moses on his behalf to be his voice to say, no longer will my people be slaves. Well, guess what? That is also an allusion to Jesus Christ. To come to us and to say, you know what? We're slaves to sin. We can't help it. We can't cover our sin, but God has provided somebody for us to lean on, somebody to come and provide freedom for us. And check this out. I love this. I love this in the Passover, right? And every year people do this and they miss the big picture. They miss really what's going on. And so in the Passover in Exodus, the last night, these were the commandments for God's people. Said, you're going to take a lamb, 
all right? A sacrificial male lamb. And what are you going to do with that sacrificial male lamb? Let's take a look at this next slide right here. This sacrificial male lamb needs to be without blemish. It needs to be perfect. Oh, and guess what? When you eat that male lamb, I want you to eat it with unleavened bread. What does that mean? Well, bread is something they ate with the meal, but the leaven in it was the yeast in it that didn't allow it to grow. That's why it was flat. So what? Well, the Bible says that that leaven, that that yeast represents sin. Because we know you can give a little bit of sin, right? You can, try to, you can try to play with sin. You can try to dabble with sin. But you know what? Sin left alone will just grow, will grow, will grow, and eventually can take over your life, can take over a family, can take over a city, sin city. I mean, it's known for its sin, and it all starts off with a little bit of sin. And so they were to eat that meal without, with bread that had no leaven in it that represented sin. And they were to eat it in haste. They were to eat it quickly. Why? Because Egypt was not their home. Are you guys following me? God had a promised land for them. God had something much better than being slaves. So they didn't settle down there. They didn't sit down and relax and take off their, 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 their shoes and just kick it all day for a meal. They had to eat it in haste because God was saying, I've got something better for you. I've got something way beyond being slaves here in this land. And... The way that they escaped death was to take the blood of the perfect lamb that had no sin in it and take the blood after they consumed the lamb and put the blood outside on its doorpost. So when the angel of death would come by, he would see the blood of the lamb on the door and death would pass it by. Wow. If that's not Jesus, I don't know what is. Jesus is the same yesterday. So if he was saving souls back then, guess what? He's saving souls nowadays too, right? Let's go to the next story here. We can find this in Daniel. Jesus in the fire. I love this story that's found in Daniel chapter 3, and we'll go to these verses. And I'll start it off with King Nebuchadnezzar leaped into his feet, onto his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, where? Weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth one looks like the son of gods. Wow. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were these three young guys that King Nebuchadnezzar during that time of the reign of Babylon, they took young, smart, handsome, athletic, good-looking men, as opposed to making them slaves, they would just weave them into their society. So Daniel, along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were four of these young men, these young Israelites that were kind of blended and forced into to weave into the, the, the Babylonian society, but they stayed true to God. You know what, guys, even though they were in Babylon, I want you to follow me here. Even though they were in, a Bab in Babylon, in a time of all this wildness, of all this sin, of all this a city synonymous with, with evil, they lived holy lives. And you know what? Some of us right now are in a, in a spot where we're surrounded in Babylon. Can I hear him in? Right? And, and for, for you guys, maybe there's some young folks here that are in college, right? 
I know there's some in college, and, and sometimes it's Babylon, right? There's people running around, doing things they shouldn't be doing, experiencing things that you know will take you away from God, and yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel said, we're not going to bow down. And what about some of us older people at works? right, or different environments or different relationships that are doing stuff that we know are trying to pull us away from God, but we need to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel say, I don't care what you're going to do. I don't care what the people are doing. I don't care what the team is doing. I don't care what my coworkers are doing. As for me and my house, like Joshua said, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what he did. Oh, but there's a price to pay. Isn't there a price to pay, guys? Right? How are they going to think about me? What are they going to say about me? How are they going to accept me? They're not. And so they had to pay the price, but they, they didn't pay the price with, like a, with the peer pressure. They had to literally go through the fire. And so because they refused to bow down to the king, they were bound and thrown into a fire that was made so hot. Guys, I want you to get this. The fire was made so hot that the one that the kings instructed to throw them into the fire, those people were exposed to the fire from afar and all got burnt and died. Wow. It's funny. The things that the enemy thinks is going to destroy us, if we have God's protection, they won't destroy us. It may destroy the world, and the world may crumble, and the world may fall. But you know what? God's word lasts forever. And they went in that fire, and the king, that's where we see this verse. He goes, can you count? How's the guys doing? Right? Can you? And he went to get a report. All right. One, two, three, four. Hold up. One, two, three, four. He's like, hey, didn't y'all throw three people in there? Yes. Well, why is there four? And why does he look like the son of God? Wow. Whatever fire you're going through in your life right now, whatever difficulty, whatever thing the enemy wants you to bow down to right now, I want to encourage you, don't do it. And allow God, allow Christ to be next to you. Right? Allow him to be your rescuer. We're here Jesus is. That's Jesus. That's Jesus in there with the fire with him. But thank God, once again, we have a God that's the same yesterday. But we have Jesus also that's the same today. See, those aren't just stories that we can read and that we can make movies about and that we can tell in children's ministry. Those stories are true, and they're still true today. So Jesus is the same today. And I love this verse in the book of John. And this is very simple verse right here. John 129, it says this. The next day John saw Jesus going towards him, and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is huge. So what happened is in the Old Testament, which we've discussed where it's not just the Old Testament, Jesus is woven through in and out the Old Testament if you just look for him. If you just try to spot Jesus in the Old Testament, you'll go, ah, there you are. Ah, there you are. There you are. But it's not only where he was, it's where he is. And John the Baptist knew that this Jesus in the Old Testament, he was alive and well today. And even though it had been 300 plus years between the book of Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, which means messenger of God, 
and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the Gospels, it means good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. There'd been about 350 years that separated that. I want you guys to follow me. That God was not speaking to the prophets. So there was an emptiness. There was a spiritual emptiness. And what started happening, they would, they would forget about the truth of God, and they were just following ritual after ritual after ritual after ritual after ritual. This is just like Christmas, right? So many rituals in Christmas. What gift? What, what wrapping paper? What store? Right? What, 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 what song we're going to sing? And through it all, you look for Jesus. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? So many people are caught up in ritual, coming to church, singing songs, checking spiritual boxes, and that's where they were for hundreds of years until John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, came. And he had a message that was different, and he was saying, repent and believe, you guys. Repent and believe and be baptized. And he saw Jesus, and he said, I'll translate it. Uh, you guys, see that guy right there? That one right there whose face is shining? That guy right there is a lamb of God. And you know how you eat your lambs for Passover, guys? And the death, angel of death passed over your family because of that blood, and that was the lamb of God. You see that guy right there, guys? He is that lamb. And behold, you know what? He will take away the sin of the world. They hadn't heard that message for years. Who is Jesus? They had to deal with it now. Now it's, it's Jesus incarnate. Now it's the word become flesh. Now it's not just Old Testament. Now it's just not ritual that they've done, not something they, didn't, that they heard about 300 years ago. Now they're dealing with God incarnate, and they had to figure out who is this guy. And us too, we got to figure out who Jesus is. Behold, there he is. Guys, he's here, right? The question is, who is he to you? And, and I love this question posed to us through this verse. If we take a look at this, this verse, actually, let's go right here to this next slide here before we get to the verse. And let's talk about Jesus for a little bit. Jesus was 33 years old when he died. He was a young man. His earthly ministry didn't start being documented till he was 30. So Jesus had three years of documented ministry. You guys following me? Now, when we read the New Testament and we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is eyewitnesses' accounts of him, we get all these stories and these miracles of who Jesus is. But here's the deal. Most of it, I say around 70% of the Gospels is based on the last two weeks of Jesus' life. Do you know only two Gospels talk about the birth of Jesus? As we go into Christmas and celebrate, and I'm all for it, and I love it, and I love giving my kids a lot of money to buy me presents. Dad, I want to buy you a present. Son, what would you like to get me? Whatever you want, son. Sure. Think more. Higher. Higher, son. Higher. Yeah, now you're close. Right. Kids, one day you have to be the one to buy all the presents. I'm sorry. I'm getting off track here. I'm getting... I was thinking what I wanted for Christmas. <laughs> so, two Gospels deal with Jesus' birth. Two. Yet 70% of them deal with the last two weeks of his life? 
Why? Because look, the fact that Jesus was born is no big deal. What I mean by that, I mean the whole world knows that Jesus was born. Can I hear amen? He lived for 33 years, three years of documented ministry. And today, you ever ask yourself, what happened to the Roman Empire? They were kind of a big deal, weren't they? What happened to the pharaohs? Where's the pharaohs now, guys? Where's Egypt now? Hey, when was the last time you were scared of Babylon? We read about the Greeks, the great society, but all is left is ruins and books and statues. Yet Jesus Christ, there's over 2.4 billion Christians that exist right now, professing Christians. 2.4 billion. What happened to Egypt? Do you know that there's over 316,000 missionaries scattered throughout the world? What happened to the great Roman Empire? 100 million Bibles are sold each year. The whole world's political spectrum relies on what's your stance on Israel? You guys ever notice that? You ever notice how often Jerusalem is in the news? Do you ever notice how often countries are talking about their political stance on Israel? Israel? Look at a map. Have you seen Israel? Have you seen how the size of it? Why does the whole Middle East, why does the whole world depend on what do you think about Israel? You know why? Because even today, Jesus Christ still exists and he's the same yesterday, the Savior. He's the same today, the Savior. And he's the same tomorrow, the Savior, the Lamb of God. So the question is not, you guys, that Jesus exists. Jesus is the same today. The question is not, does he exist? The question is, who is he to you? That's what we got to deal with. And I love this verse right here. And it is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, 6 through 8. It says this, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and a precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Let's keep this right here for a little bit. So what is this saying? We went a couple years back, my wife and I and, and, and some of our kids, all of our kids, we went to uh, New York. We went to go see family, then do some day trips and hang out in Boston and New York. And if you've ever been to New York or Boston, you see these amazing, amazing buildings, like just beautiful, especially in Boston. These old, beautifully, hauntingly beautiful buildings. And some of them, if you look, you see right there in the corner, you see a little plaque on the cornerstone. Why is this relevant? Because once they place that big stone down, boom, it dictates the rest of that house, the rest of that building. It dictates where the angles are going to be. It dictates where the rest of it's going to be. And everything is built around that cornerstone. Hopefully that's Christ in your life. But you know what? You can reject that cornerstone and ignore it. 
But no matter how bad you try to ignore it, when they place it there, it's still there. And you could ignore it and you can walk by it. As a matter of fact, try ignoring it and walking through it and what's going to happen to your foot and your leg when it hits that cornerstone. It's no longer a cornerstone for you. It's a stumbling block. That'll tear up your feet. That'll break up your bones and it'll knock you down. It's the same stone. What's the difference? It's Jesus. Is he the cornerstone of your life? Or is he a stumbling block that you're going to run into? But we got to deal with him. Can I hear amen? We got to deal with him because he was the same yesterday. He's the same today. And guess what? This Jesus that we're talking about is the same forever. Let's take a look at this verse right here. As we're going to take a look as Jesus is the same forever in the book of Revelation. And it's found in Revelation chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 11 through 14. And it says this, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. I'm going to read that again. Worthy is the Lamb. He was the Lamb. Remember that? Remember the Passover? That little lamb? He is the lamb. Remember John the Baptist? Behold, that guy right there, that's the lamb of God. And here is John having a vision of what's to come. And who does he see? Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And I heard every creature in heaven and earth and on earth and under earth and on the sea and all around them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. This is the same lamb that through that blood the angel of death passed over. This is the same lamb that John the Baptist saw and identified as the lamb of God. And this is the same lamb that John is referring to that, you know what, ultimately is going to return. Ultimately, he's coming back for his people. Ultimately, this temporary space that we're in, right, this is just temporary. We are not citizens of this earth. And my hope and my prayer is this as you're hearing me. You would understand that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that you would wrestle with who Jesus is. And perhaps you're here today, and you've built your life on Christ. My prayer is that this would be an encouragement to you to know that this Jesus who was through the Old Testament, this Jesus that was walking the earth 2,000 years ago, and that changed literally change time you ever think about it all time revolves around jesus christ before him and after him why because jesus is god and jesus resurrected from the dead and the same disciples that there was 11 of them after judas committed suicide the 11 disciples that while they saw jesus alive follow me here guys while they saw jesus alive and before Jesus was crucified, every one of them denied him. Yet they saw him walk on water, but they denied him. They saw him cast demons out, 
yet they denied him. They saw him resurrect Lazarus from the dead, yet they denied him. These same 11 disciples, once Jesus died, none of them denied him again. As a matter of fact, 10 of the 11 died martyrs' deaths. Why? Because they saw Jesus crucified. They saw him put away in his grave, in the tomb. And then three days later, they saw Jesus walk around. So they said to the Roman Empire and to the guards and everybody else, uh, when they said, yeah, forget about Jesus, don't speak his name, right? And they say, uh, hold up. Remember you killed him? And guess what? I hung out with him yesterday. Well, it's illegal. I don't care. We will kill you. I don't care because he's promised me eternal life. So now these 11 disciples who all denied him while Christ was alive, none of them denied him after he died. And 10 of them died martyrs' deaths because they knew who Jesus was. So as we close up, you guys, I love this verse in Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I want to pose this question to you. Yeah, he's the same, but who is he to you? Who is he to you? And perhaps there's some here that, you know what, go, you know what? Ah, he's not my cornerstone. <laughs> he's actually the stone that I've been stubbing my feet on, and I've been ignoring him. And I've been running away from him, and I've been acting like he's not who he is, and really he hasn't been my savior, my lifestyle, my decisions don't display that. I want to give everybody a chance before we leave to go, you know what? I want to make sure, like John the Baptist was saying, repent and believe a very simple thing, right? Not become perfect Christians, not join this church, not join some religion. Just acknowledge that you're going this way, and repent means this. And this way is not good. And God's just saying, look, 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 just, I got a better spot for you. And through that, we know that John was baptizing them, and Jesus took that example of baptism. We have a baptism coming up next Sunday. Next Sunday at 3 o'clock. It's going to be at Moonlight Beach. It's going to be awesome. We have around eight right now who have committed to become baptized, most all of them in the youth. And I want to extend that invitation to anybody here that wants to make that decision. You know what? I want to make sure Christ is my cornerstone. I want to make sure that he is my savior. And I want to give my life to him. And I want to become baptized. I want you to get to wrestle with that for a little bit as we, as we watch this video of uh, some, some cool things that are going on in youth. Hi, guys. I'm Ricky Rodriguez. I'm 17 and a senior at San Pasquale High School. Hi, my name is Eric Hoeflinger. I'm 17 years old and I'm a senior at Escondido High School. My name is Ashley Lindsley and I'm 18 years old. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm 15 and I go to Escondido High School. Early in my life, we would go to church every Sunday. Then, you know, things happen and then we stop going for a while. And as a kid, you don't really think it's very important. It was one summer. And Scotty asked me to come to youth, and then I came, and then I haven't left since. I had been a part of the church since fourth or fifth grade. About freshman year of high school, I had been started to question a lot of things. Question why we believed, was this real? I had gone through a lot of ups and downs with my faith, and really 
the past couple months I had revisited my faith and I had really taken a second to look back and think maybe this is something I should do. Getting back involved with Christ is incredible. It, you're smiling, it's happy, it's just amazing to be back involved with God again. When I was invited, I was iffy about it and uh, once I came, like it really changed my life. In all my times of need, even while I was struggling with my faith, I had always gone back and asked God for guidance and help, and I realized how important He actually is in my life. The feeling in your heart, realizing I want to be with God for the rest of my life, is the moment when you know I wanted to be baptized. For a while, I always, you know, I, I, I was ready, I was ready, I was ready. I thought I was ready. Marcus finally asked us, and, and I got the jitters throughout my body, and I, I finally like told myself I'm ready to make that commitment, like fully to give myself to God. It's amazing, you know. It changed my life, changed a lot of my friends' lives. Amen. Amen. So next Sunday at 3 o'clock after our second service, we're going to grab a snack, get a little bit of rest, and we're going to head over to Moonlight Beach. And I want you to come, if you can, come celebrate with us, right? This is a, this is a big deal. Come celebrate that response. Hey, we're in San Diego. Hi, it's beautiful. Now, also, one other thing before we leave, just maybe there's somebody here that says, you know what, I, I want to make that decision to get baptized, and I want to make sure that, that I'm somebody that said, Christ is my cornerstone. I don't want to be my stomach black. So why don't we just close our eyes, you guys, and bow our heads. And if that's you here today, I just want to pray for you as your heads are bowed, your eyes closed. And Lord, if that's somebody right now that as they've been watching this and listening to the message, you're going, you know what? Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure that my life says that Jesus is my Savior. Yeah, you know, I'm actually it's been the stumbling block, and I've not made the commitment really to live with for him and with him, and I've not made that commitment ever to become baptized. And if that's you here today with your with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's a if that's a commitment you want to make, it's nothing spooky, nothing weird, just in a privacy in your heart. Just pray these words. Say, Dear God, I want to be yours. Forgive me. I want to repent. Invite you to my heart. I want to be baptized and show people that I'm committed to you. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you for being the fulfillment of all the promises. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you pray that prayer, and that's the decision you want to make, we just want to celebrate with you, and I'm going to pray for you. And, you, and don't worry about who's around you. Don't want anything. It's just a chance to really say to the Lord, I am yours. On a count of three, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you pray that prayer, just slip up your hand. One, two, three. Anybody? Amen. Anybody want to make that decision? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for opportunities, God, to make those decisions, Lord, to follow you, Lord. I thank you for this church, and I pray that next week it'll be full of people, Lord, deciding to take that step with you, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Hey, next week, um, if you want to become baptized, if you made that decision, simply go to our website. You can chat with me or any of the pastors here. Let us know about it. We'll contact you. We'd like to, we'd like to uh, connect with you prior to then. Just go to our website, and they have a, a, um, an events page. 
All you have to do is let us know right there. Uh, but we're looking forward to a great next week. I encourage you guys to come. For those of you getting baptized, congratulations. For those of you guys that just want to come celebrate, come join us. Come join us as we as we celebrate what God's doing. Right now, we're going to finish off with communion. So if nobody grab, if anybody needs a, a communion bag, just slip up your hand and Thad will get it to you. Uh, most of you guys grabbed it on the way in. We got a couple up here, Thad. But it's a chance where we can just reflect on what God's done, right? We can reflect on that sacrifice that God made for us, that the sacrifice of his body as we eat the bread, the sacrifice of that, of that blood that was shed, that blood now that saves us. So as we take time to, to worship the Lord and, and close out the service, as you're receiving the elements, the, the, the cup and the bread, just take some time to reflect on God's goodness. And in your own time, go ahead and, and eat the bread and, and drink of the cup.